go back into South Bend's history. 20 years, 50 years, 100 years. And what do you see? You see groups of people working to bring change to this city. They had different ideas of what that change should be. They didn't always agree. Yet in every decade, there were groups of people for whom positive change was their life's work. This podcast, South Bend's Own Words, features the voices of people who helped make the city change. We'll share clips from the oral histories done by the Indiana University South Bend Civil Rights Heritage Center to tell a more complete history of the city. It's the story of many cultures, not just one. It's the story of South Bend. Jerome Perkins was one of the first African Americans to serve as a police officer in South Bend. He served from 1952 to 1972. Back then, just like now, already deep frustrations grew even deeper over African Americans' treatment at the hands of police. Jerome answered a call from the mayor who hoped to improve community relationships by installing more black officers. Today, South Bend and the rest of the nation still grapples with the impacts of policing. The police murders of George Floyd, Eric Logan, and thousands of others are deeply painful. But they're ultimately a small part of the millions of lives impacted by our so-called justice system. In 2003, David Healy sat down with Officer Perkins to discuss his life and his career. In the interview, Officer Perkins did not loudly call out any police injustice. There is some subtle context in there, though. He spoke of the segregation between white and black officers, the racist behaviors he endured, how white people received far softer treatment for similar offenses, and how the frustration felt by over-policed black people boiled over. His tenure. Uh, officer Perkins, when were you actually a police officer for South Bend? What, what, what were the dates? August the 15th, uh, 1952 through August the 15th, 1972. So you were at the height of the Civil Rights Movement right here in South Bend. Mm-hmm. Now, were you, uh, are you a native of South Bend? Yes, I am. Your parents came from, uh, did they, were they? Born here also, did they? No. Uh, my mother was born in Kentucky. My dad in California. So you were raised here in South Bend. Uh, your father worked at, uh, where did he work at? He originally worked at Bill Nichols' uh, Buick dealership. What did your mother, did she stay at home or did she work outside the home? She did housework. She was a... Uh, she worked for wealthy people who lived in Cunningham Hill. So she worked as a domestic? Yeah. Okay, so where'd you go to uh, high school or junior high at? Southland Central. You graduated from Central? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I graduated in 47. Just after World War II? Mm-hmm. Can you tell me when you were in high school, and did you have any African-American teachers when you were in high school? Did I? Yes. No. no. There were no uh, African-American teachers that taught you. Were you encouraged to go to college during your stay at Central? Did you have any counselors that helped you go to college? You know, we had counselors, but they never really harped on going to college. Our, our desire came from outsiders 
some who had been born and raised in the South and eventually moved here. Uh, and they told us the benefits of, of having a college education. So some of us went, some of us didn't. And you chose to go? Very briefly. And where did you attend? Howard University. Okay. Very good school. Did you come back to South Bend right away? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And what did you do then? I uh, went with the Studebaker Corporation for auto dealers, manufacturers. And I stayed there until I joined the South Bend Police Department in 1952. When you joined the South Bend Police Department, how many other African-American police officers were there? Uh, there was Bob Watt, Al Pope, Ernie Rice, and that was it. What were, what were they like? They, were the, they preceded you. Did they give you any advice? Yeah, uh, not so much. Yeah, well, both of them, both of them did. Bob Waddick shared with me some of his experiences, uh, he having been the first uh, black police officer. He told what a lonesome job it was because, you know, many of his brother officers uh, didn't desire to meet and greet with him. And Al Pope came along, and after a number of years, he eventually became uh, a detective sergeant. He knew, he knew so many people and so many of the youngsters in town and did such a good job, they promoted him. And Ernie Rice came along after Al Pope, and uh, after a number of years, he was promoted. Then, 1952, I came along. And, uh, followed the same gamut. So, how did, can you tell me, uh, remember how you got on the police board, on uh, the police department? None other than the fact that it was, uh, it had political overtures to it. Uh, the administration that was uh, in office then, decided they needed another black police officer. John Scott had been elected mayor. And he wanted to see more opportunities for for uh, African Americans here in South Bend. That compounded with the fact that uh, the white police officers that we had weren't able to communicate too well with, with the black community. And he felt that if there were more black police officers, uh, they'd, they'd be able to, to do that. So he felt it was for the community's benefit then that we had more black police officers on the floor? I would think so. What was your first beat? See, I, my beat was Chapin Street, and a couple of years later, I was switched to Walnut, Washington. These were all, Shaver Street was just about black owned, and uh, Walnut, Washington became the same way. I mean, I walked the beat. That's, you know, yeah. 
he worked the neighborhood then. He got to know the people in the neighborhood, and that's what he wanted. He wanted to be able to say that police officers in the community got along. And they certainly did. White police officers felt they weren't getting cooperation from me because where they talked to us, they wouldn't talk to them. And then I was fortunate enough to come along, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate enough, during the 60s when there was plenty of activity. And I uh, received all my promotions uh, as a result of some of those incidents. You're talking about the civil rights movement here. Yeah. Can you describe some of those incidents that happened during the 60s? Well, I, I saw black citizens arrested for what white citizens had done in the past and received nothing. Uh, were not arrested. I don't know if you call it turn the other cheek or what, but it had been just ingrained here in South Bend. Uh, and South Bend wasn't different from many other cities, you know. It's, it's hard to remember back then, uh, you know. But you saw uh, the black citizens of South Bend being, what you say, harassed, more or less. A lot of times they were, yeah. Was there a lot of gang activity around Beck's Lake in that area? Mm -hmm. this, that was an offshoot of what was happening in the streets was prevalent in Beck's Lake. Uh, things just got out of hand. There was a lot of rock throwing, name calling. It was really frightening. Uh, how did the white police officers react to uh, the black youth during that time? When this was going on? Yes. They were shocked. They were shocked. You know, this had gone on for years, and uh, the white police officers would go out and everybody was scattered, you know. But now in the 60s, they, they didn't scatter. They stood up and they fought. We were lucky that uh, no one was killed as a result of what happened. There was a lot of gunshots, gunfire. Yeah. So Those some weren't the good old days. <laughs> so something happened within the black community during the 50s and 60s. Um, in the 50s, they would step aside but in the six days they wouldn't? That, that's about the size of it. Yeah. They just had enough? Yeah. That's, that's it. They had all they intended to take. Sometimes you don't even like to talk about it. Did you ever receive any negative feedback from any of your brother police officers about participating in the civil rights movement? As far as you know, the city didn't view these groups as being, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, troublemaking groups? No, you, you know, to have been born, born and raised, been here all your life, you knew what was going on. 
and you knew that uh, you were going to be branded for walking down the street in the wrong neighborhood, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, the people that I was in NAACP with, they all wanted to promote good. They all wanted to to show the white community that, that we too had feelings. And that uh, just a matter of time before things change. Some viewed that as a threat. It wasn't a threat, it was a reality. They were frustrating times. They really were. You know, I go through it again. And what do you mean by frustrating? Well, each day when you went into work, you wondered if there'd be a major incident because uh, the talk was widespread across town that they weren't going to take anymore. Okay. When you were a police officer in South Bend, how did you get along with your white brother officers? So many things happened, and there was such a vast difference between the white police officer and the black police officer. I was one of the first to drive a squad car, and the chief asked me, did I have a driver's license? And, you know, they, they couldn't conceive, I guess, of, of black police officers having anything that came close to being what they had. Not all of uh, the white officers but some of them had had opinions that never changed. They stayed the same, and you knew you knew who those guys were, so you just stayed clear of them. And then there were some that were good as gold, and you just have you had to make up your own mind as to what was going on. You had to deal with what was going on within your ranks, as well as what was going on on the streets. So you had a, a busy day. South Bend's Own Words was created by Kevin Tidmarsh and me, George Garner. This episode was produced by Donald Britton from the Ernestine M. Racklin School of the Arts at IU South Bend, and by me through the Civil Rights Heritage Center. Visit us and learn how IU South Bend students inspired the transformation of a once segregated South Bend swimming pool. We give guided tours and offer public events that show how the history of oppression echoes through the city today. See and hear more history, plan your visit, or share your thoughts about this episode, all at crhc.iusb.edu.